Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Travel Talks podcast. This week, I'm really glad to say that I'm joined by the star of Race Across the World Series 1, Alex Specht-Zolt. So if you haven't seen Race Across the World Series 1 yet, Alex went on the show with his dad with the aim of rekindling their relationship after being estranged for many years. The premise of the show, if you didn't know, is that contestants have a budget of £1,329 to get from London to Singapore without taking a single flight. They experienced so many different things, including working throughout their journey and achieved their goal of reaching the final checkpoint. If you haven't seen the show already, then definitely watch it. It's absolutely amazing TV. And then come back to listen to this podcast. Anyway, guys, I'll let you listen to the show now and I hope you enjoy it. I could not see how I could carry on because every day we did not know if we're going or staying and how long we were going to be on the boat for. We were running out of food. We ran out of water. It was paradise for me. I was just, yeah, I've never been to a place like that before. It was just amazing. If we went that course or route, we would have won hands down. But because we didn't and we didn't have the money, it was just one of them unfortunate things, I guess. Being able to work with elephants, what a priceless experience. Yeah. 100%. Being that close with them, yeah, it was amazing. Knowing me, I got, I got a bit too drunk. <laughs> uh, I missed my flight. And me and oh, my really? the last two people in Singapore. Alex Bexalt, great to have you on the podcast, mate. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, an absolute pleasure. How are you? Are you good? Yeah, man, it was not too bad, not too bad. Nearing the end of lockdown now. Yeah, exactly. Just seeing the end in sight. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So an absolute pleasure to have you on uh, because you are, of course, the first BAFTA winner we've had on the show <laughs> <laughs> how did that feel you could say that yeah that, that feeling is still a bit crazy thinking that we, we won a BAFTA I can't believe it absolutely class. yeah I wasn't expecting to win it with the competitors we had in our group and stuff so it was a big surprise yeah remind us of who you had um it were against Harry's Heroes which is obviously an iconic show with legends mm. absolute legends uh they were goggle box they were, and then there were RuPaul's Drag Race. So wow. all really big shows, you know what I mean? Awesome. So, yeah, yeah. No, no shock to me, though. I, I thought you were deserved winners, mate, so I'm very glad. Thank you very much. I'm glad to hear that. So I want to start by asking the question which I ask everyone on the show, and that is, how important is travel to you? Oh, well, before Race Across the World, I wasn't really that bothered about it. Now, that's all I think about. That's all mm. I want to do is just get out of England and just, yeah, even England, I just want to do stuff I don't want to just... Be sat at home. I just want to constantly speak to new people and experience new adventures. Yeah. And did lockdown make you realise that? Or is it 
purely based off the show 100% like since because I've only been to Sardinia which were on my YouTube channel this year mm. since Race Across the World and we got back in 2019 no yeah 2018 sorry in mm. December so it were a while ago since I've been away properly and stuff what was the reason for not going away for so long after the show it was just like I was trying to sort stuff out and like I was signed with my agents and we were looking for like to work on different TV and we were I had like meetings with different production companies like every week or so so I had to go like down to London and then up to Manchester and that sort of stuff yeah busy life man so I wanted to start talking about Race Across the World and uh, start all the way back when you applied for the show and ask you what made you apply for the show so this is the this is the story. I didn't actually apply for the show. My oh, dad wow. applied for the show, and he applied when it was on when they were only applying for single people when they wasn't doing duos, yeah. uh, and it was just like an advertisement on Facebook. So I mean, he's applied for it, and they've rang him saying like, "We're going to do duos. Uh, is there anybody you'd like to take?" And I was just like, "Well, I'll do it if you want me to." And mm. then yeah. We never expected to actually get on the show, you know what I mean? Like, mm. you watch TV, I've watched a lot of TV, and I just thought, I'm never going to actually get on TV. Mm. Not from something like that, so it was a bizarre experience. So am I right in saying that when he asked you to be on the show, you two weren't communicating that often? Yeah, no, we we weren't that close whatsoever. Not like we are now. Like, I used to see him maybe once a month or so, but we'd always used to argue and stuff like we didn't have common grounds we didn't he always treated me like a child and still acted like I were a child even though I'm an adult you know what I mean mm -hmm. so yeah. we had a lot of communication problems were you nervous then before you started going on the show did you obviously you're excited to potentially be on the show but you must have been nervous about what that would be like being with each other for 50 days no definitely like being told we're going to be with each other for 50 days constantly I was just thinking I don't know how this is going to work. I, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, just, we just didn't speak. We we hadn't spent longer than two days together for a long time. So it was a bit of a struggle, but yeah. Yeah. And that application process, you mentioned that you didn't think you were going to be on the show. What was it actually like to go through? So they, they give us a phone call and they were just asking like our interests and stuff. And then we had to have somebody come up uh, to Fountain where we live to interview us to get like a background of like who we are and like what we're doing this for and whatnot. And then that went all smoothly. And then we had to go down to London for an audition and we had to build a flat pack furniture in 20 minutes, which we did absolutely terrible in and it, it got smashed up at the end. And then we had to travel as far as we could from the Studio Lambert London office in london without any money so like asking strangers oh. for help and whatnot to to get as far as we could we asked a few taxis but yeah it didn't get that far what a challenge so yeah exactly i'm guessing it wasn't about how far we got i bet i'm guessing it was like our communication skills yeah exactly just a chance for them to see what you'd be like in that scenario yeah definitely so when did you find out you were successful and you were going to be on the show i was going to leeds festival i was literally on my way to leeds festival and i got a call from studio lambert saying you, you've been accepted to go on the show uh you'll be going at the at the start of october and yeah i was just shocked couldn't believe it i run my way to leeds fest so i got to celebrate properly yeah nice that's in august isn't it so you had a couple of months right to yeah. get your head around it yeah and it, it's literally the end of august so we had september and then we're pretty much settled. Did you have to quit a job or anything to go on the show well i was working behind a bar at the time so mm. yeah like i had to 
I had to say, I'm sorry, I'm going to be leaving for 50 days. And then they were like, well, we won't be able to keep you on. So I was oh, just like, really? all right, well, I'm not going to say no to it and stay here. You know what I mean? Mm. It was once in a lifetime opportunity. You must have been absolutely buzzing then. Yeah. The fact that I'd been told I can go travel for free and go mm. somewhere is, yeah, I was just, I was excited. Yeah. So I want to move on to talk about some intricate details from the show now. And when I was going through the yeah. series to watch it through to get some uh, reminders of what it was like for yourself, I saw that you took so many different modes of transport train, coach, boat, ferry, taxi, tuk tuk. What was your favourite one out of all of those? Favourite one is probably, it's got to be the tuk-tuk in Thailand yeah. and China. It's got to be, like, what an experience that was. But the one thing that they didn't show you on the show is mm. every leg, we had to use five modes, five different modes of transport. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, so there's different roles which they never told anybody else about, but, like, we had to... We had to use five different modes of transport before we reached the checkpoint. Wow. What, what kind of modes of transport did I miss off then? Were there any that they didn't include in the show? We used, um, you know, the one where you go uh, like in a cart sort of thing, in a like, zip wire sort of yeah, thing, up a mountain. It... Yeah, something like that. We went on one of them and, yeah, me and my dad petrified of heights. So that was <laughs> that were a funny scene, I guess. But that didn't get shown. They were, they were just a couple. There were a speed for, but that got shown because that was when we were going to the fifth checkpoint. They were just all sorts. Yeah, so if you hadn't done four modes of transport and you got on that final speedboat like, to go to that final checkpoint, what would they make you do? Just go rent a bike and go I cycling think, for a bit? <laughs> I was something like that or a time penalty or something. I wasn't too okay. sure, to be honest. Yeah. But they said that there would have been consequences if we did Ooh. not do what they asked us to do. Mm. We also had to stay in one place for two for two days ah. and stay in one place for six hours to sightsee ah uh, wow yeah because i was going to come to that but you did some amazing things throughout the race yeah but was that through you wanting to do it because obviously when you're in that tunnel vision and you just want to win the race surely at times yeah. you must have just been like i want to keep going i want to keep going did you stop because they made you or did you stop because you wanted to it's the balance it's the balance mm. between finding because you had to stay somewhere for two days and you had to stay somewhere for six hours and then you have to find the balance of like traveling, enjoying yourself, but also racing because we are in a race. Mm. That's why the second leg was the hardest for us all because we were all racing and they were in an elimination round. So everyone was just thinking like, we don't want to get eliminated. Yeah. So we weren't really able to enjoy the race as much in that second leg compared to any other leg. And you were quite close to going out on the second leg, weren't you? I remember. Was that in Baku? Yeah, we yeah. came second last. We were, <sighs> we were very close. Imagine if we got eliminated. When you were racing to that checkpoint in Baku, did you think you were going to go out? Personally, I thought we were we were close. We, yeah, I felt like I wasn't too sure where Sinclair was, but I felt like we was a bit behind. Yeah, and just going back to the transport, I, I definitely know the answer to this question. But what was the worst mode of transport you took? Worst mode of transport? It's got to be just one of the buses. Which oh, really? Thirty hours, yeah, it's got to be. When we were going through Georgia and we were travelling with Josh and Felix towards mm. the second checkpoint, we were on a bus and the bus were just flying round a corner but not caring, trying to overtake cars and whatnot. Oh. We could have easily been in a big car crash or something. I had, I had it nailed on that you were going to say the boat in the Caspian Sea there. It is. that, that <laughs> That's my worst experience. That's okay. definitely the worst experience. Yeah, what was that like? Because obviously you were stuck there for five days, pretty much in your little cabins, 
you must have just yeah. been at the lowest of the lows then. Yeah, I personally was in a really bad place, and like I had to speak to the psycho psychological mm. person, whatever whatever they called psychotherapists, mm. um, because I would I was really in a bad place, and I was ready to quit the show and just go home oh. and like not carry on because I could not see how. I could carry on because every day we did not know if we're going or staying and mm. like how long we were going to be on the boat for. We were running out of food. We ran out of water and just wow. everyone was just, yeah, everyone was just drained. And it was on the boat. There were us and like the people filming us. But apart from that, we were all like drunk Russian, mm. like boat a truck driver sort of thing. So we were a bit of a, it wasn't the best situation atmosphere sort of thing like yeah. some, some of them were absolutely amazing don't get me wrong really nice people but there were also some which would look at you a bit weirdly and like you know what i mean it was just yeah, yeah i really did not enjoy it it's just a situation you'd never be in 100 percent. other than being in that show when would you ever go across the caspian sea in a massive ferry it's just an absolutely crazy situation that's exactly it 100 and the ferry were just yeah the ferry were ridiculous but it was thanks to Shamima, Natalie, Josh, Felix, Tony and Lane, and my mm. dad, and the filming crew that actually kept me on because they were just like, it's going to get better. They were telling me the sort of places which were coming up and stuff. And yeah, yeah like, I just had in my mind that carry on going. And yeah, we, I'm glad I carried on going because imagine if I missed out on the stuff I did. Oh, exactly. No, it's, good, it's good to hear as well for you to speak so openly about that battle that you had like mentally for people listening. Because obviously when you see the show, that scene on the Caspian Sea, whilst it was five days for you, it would have been, what, five yes. minutes for us watching. So it's nice for you to open up. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't really show much whatsoever. And people were asking me like, what are up to and stuff like this, but... I was trying to stay away from the cameras as much as possible on the Caspian mm. Sea because I, I just had enough. I just, yeah, I were, I were really done and proper in a down, down place. Mm. But yeah, I made, made it out. And yeah, we were all good. We won that leg, so yeah, you were even better. Yeah, Picked yourself right up. And you mentioned the fact that the other contestants really helped you in your lowest moments there. Yeah. Who are your best friends, would you say, through the experience? Probably Shamima and Natalie. Like, yeah. I spent... I spent the most time with them personally, like on a checkpoint. Like I'd, I'd be up with them, just having a chat and whatnot. And mm. Yeah, I got I got really close with them too, and Josh and Felix as well. Don't get me wrong, like mm. they're boys. You know what I mean? They were close to me, the ten years older than me. You know, because I, mean? I was the youngest by ten years. It was yeah. a bit felt a bit weird for me because I had nobody like my age sort of thing, and it was like, but it was alright. Like people bonded with me. The one they didn't just leave me all sort of things so i enjoyed it it were all good and like they're all like family to us now so yeah that's good to hear and when you started the race you sounded a bit similar to how i would be if i was on the show you were just so focused on winning you wanted to get that Definitely. competitive element and you would want to win did that change at all during the race nah it, it did change in the race like when we came fifth not second sorry in the fifth mm. checkpoint I, that was the point where we had $150, $120. And we were just like, to get from Cambodia to Singapore, I don't know if it's going to be possible. Mm. So I was just saying to my dad, like, we just need to make sure we make it at the end. Like, my dad wanted to, my, my dad was struggling at this point because he had sunstroke and whatnot, mm. and he had to carry his big bag, and we had to go traveling, even though he really badly sunstroke. So that was tough for him. And he wanted to quit and just 
stop and just yeah he were happy he did china and kazakhstan and Vien- uzbekistan because mm-hmm. that was his dream to go all these places as soon as he did that he wanted to give up and just be like i've done what i've wanted to do so let's just go home now where i was just saying we've come all this way we've got to make it to singapore yeah and i wanted to ask about those checkpoints because you touched on them there they must have been heaven but we didn't really see much of the yes. series one. I kind of feel like it was no. very heavily focused on the race and the, the actual legs themselves. So can you give us some insight into what they were like? I completely agree. The checkpoints was amazing. They were my favourite parts of the race mm. because we get we get to a checkpoint at whatever time, uh, day or night, and you'd either be there for like 32 hours, 48 hours, mm. uh, depending how long the the camera crew needed to recover and like charge batteries and whatnot mm. so we'd be given a budget so it'd be it'd be a nice amount of money yeah and we'd we'd be able to like buy our own, buy whatever food we want buy whatever drinks we want and just nice. enjoy ourselves while we're there like have a shower have a sleep we'd have to do like and I was filming, I'm like, why are we doing there? Just some like rest and recovery sort of thing. Yeah. And it wasn't anything major either. Like in Baku, we did a cycle ride on the on the front sort of thing. So it were, yeah. it were really cool ideas what we did during these things. But yeah, we just we just got to enjoy ourselves and chill out for a bit. And yeah, like forget about the race for for like two days or so. And Sounds awesome. That was the best thing for me. I got drunk, I won't lie. I enjoy myself. <laughs> exactly what I'd be doing as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm at a young age, I'm enjoying myself. I'm at a hotel, why not? Yeah, exactly. You described the best checkpoint as Korong in Cambodia. Yes. And you said you were going to go back. Have you made plans to go back yet? Not yet, but I am definitely looking at going back. Mm. The Sok Sam Resort, 100%. It, it, was, it was paradise for me. I was just, yeah, I've never been to a place like that before. It was just amazing. Just being on a little island and just yeah everything just being perfect it's just yeah. been so calm so warm yeah that was one place high on my list to visit yeah what did you get up to when you were in Koron? well we just we were just on the beach for pretty much the most because we were only there for a day and a half in mm. Koron, unfortunately but we've we had like me and my dad we went canoeing sort of thing kayaking in the sea while the big boat were following us about in a big uh, drone. So oh, really? that's when we get that shot sort of thing. So that were cool. And then on a night time, uh, when Shamim and Natalie, Josh and Felix came in, we had like a big family dinner on the beach sort of thing. Amazing. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. How did you deal with that aspect of it? Obviously, you're just two normal guys, and then you've got a film crew following you, you've got drones flying in the sky, you were like stars of the show. Yeah. How did you feel? How did you adjust to that life? That was crazy. Like, when, because when we're traveling during the week, sort of thing, there's only two people with us. So mm. that's our camp, that's camera and sound person, that's Brent and Lorraine, mm. which were with us the whole play, the whole time. And they slept where we slept, they ate what we ate. Wow. You know what I mean? So, so they actually like went hardcore sort of thing with yeah. us but i mean like when you'd get to a checkpoint you'd have about 10 20 people with the big cameras and the big drones mm. and yeah you have to do all these shots and that's where you feel like wow what's going yeah. on i feel like a movie star so i think <laughs> yeah it was crazy especially in singapore when there's loads of people just looking at you and yeah, yeah. big camera following you about and big drones and stuff Amazing. it's really cool 
And credit to the crew who followed you as well, because to do that trip sounds hard enough for you and your dad, but to do it whilst charging up camera gear and like making sure they get the right shots and stuff, that must be so tough. 100%. Brent and Lorraine must have worked about 20 hours a day at least. They deserve so much credit for it, 100%. Mm. And Brent did season two as well. Oh, did he? Yes, he, he was with uh, Sam and Joe okay. on season two. So that was quite cool. He wasn't too scarred then after doing series one. No, apparently not. <laughs> apparently not. I'm surprised he did it. But yeah, I'm happy for him. He did some amazing shots on season two. Brilliant. You must be really close to them now, surely? Yeah, 100%. Like, we're in a WhatsApp group, so we have a chat whenever we need to. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned yeah. the fact that there were elements of the show which perhaps we didn't even get an insight into or didn't get included in the edit entirely. How accurate yes. was the edit to the reality? Well, thinking uh, six episodes got shown an hour mm. long from five, six teams. Mm. There were nothing which got shown really to what actually happened, so I think. Yeah. Like there, there was so much which has not been shown, so much. Which I, I personally love to see like an unseen sort of thing at the moment. Mm. While there's nothing on TV at the moment because there's a lockdown and whatnot, people are struggling. Yeah. There's not there's not a race across the world at the moment because it's not possible to be done. Mm. So I think that they should be looking at like trying to do some unseen footage from yeah. season one and two possibly. Because yeah. I think a lot of people would like to see it, not just myself. Absolutely. And you didn't get to do a final show as well, because after Series 2, they did eight episodes in Series yeah. 2. And then they did that yeah, final yeah. episode where they all met up and kind of relived the moments. So there's some more content. Yeah. If BBC exactly. are listening, get that get Exactly. That That's it, 100%. I'm here. I'm available whenever you need me. <laughs> Nice. And on that note, if they came and asked you, okay, we're going to do almost like a recreation, get some people from Series 2, get some people from Series 1, would you be up for doing that again? 100%. I'd go right now. I'd pack yeah. my bag right now and I'd go right now. Yeah, 100%. I reckon that's an idea for the future as well. Yeah, 100%. I wanted to go all the way to the end now and talk about that dramatic sprint to the finish because for us watching it, obviously we had no idea who was going to win and they like played it yeah. out in such an incredibly enticing way definitely how close was it in the end was it a couple of hours it's two hours did you think you were gonna win personally i i wasn't sure mm. i felt like because we met up with them in that crabby town bus bus shell thing yeah and we met up with all of them and tony and elaine lied yeah to me so i and i i were annoyed about yeah yeah so i i was just thinking i just want to make it there now like, i was just getting stressed out i was just tired and yeah, we, we just had to do loads of running and yeah, we're just like, let's just make it to the finish line and just see what happens. Like my dad was the worst one out of us two because he kicked up such a fuss. <laughs> and like, yeah, it, it, it won't polite what he were what he were doing and stuff. So yeah, they, they had to like reshoot the final scene of us opening the book about two or three times because it kick off yeah because i remember you were so graceful with defeat i remember watching it going oh what a nice young lad like he's just come all this way obviously you wanted to win 20 grand we all did we all were yeah. in that situation but you were just like oh what an amazing experience so glad i've taken it all and next to you is your dad with like a face <laughs> <laughs> like this miserable face was he just gutted yeah he he was so annoyed it wasn't even for the money for him either it's just like mm. he loves winning Mm. And like he, he wanted to be the underdog throughout the whole thing. He didn't want to win one checkpoint. He didn't want to win anything. He just wanted yeah. to be the whole underdog. And when that didn't 
happen for him. And like when we won the Uzbekistan checkpoint, I mean the Chinese one, mm. when we were like over 24 hours in front, he he was like, oh no, I don't like this and stuff. So yeah, he didn't really work out like that. I remember you guys having a conversation where you were like, oh, I want to win this leg. I want to win every leg. And he was like, no, yeah. no, no, I want to come in second. I want to come in second. And being like, yeah. where's, the, where's the logic in that? <laughs> no, 100%. He always wanted to be the underdogs. And I said, no, no, I want to win every single checkpoint. I want to, yeah. yeah. I want to show where he is to win. Do you think there was a moment where you lost the race? Yeah. No, no I, I, yeah, I do yeah. believe that. I believe that it was the money calculation, like mm. in some places and like, China was a lot more expensive than we ever thought it would be. Mm. And like we spent a lot of money in China, which we didn't want to do. And then when we were in that fifth checkpoint, Antonio and Elaine went up the course mm. and like two people could have gone up the course and two people had to go back up to Phnom Penh. Oh, really? They made you take that route? Yeah, yeah. So you got given them two choices, mm. but we did not have the money for the coastal route because mm. it's a lot limited and it would have been a lot more expensive where that's the route Tony and Elaine went. And then we had to work in Bangkok and stuff like this. So that slowed our time down a bit. I believe that if we went that coastal route, we would have won hands down. Mm. But because we didn't and we didn't have the money, it was just one of them unfortunate things, I guess. Yeah, so I was going to talk about work and gaining money throughout the race. Did you look forward to doing the work? Some places I did, mm. some places I didn't. So, like, there were a really cool job which didn't get shown in the first episode. Yeah. And, like, we worked we worked in a brewery called Hot Top Brewery in Budapest. Yeah. And that, were, that was just a really cool job. Like, we learned how to make lager and stuff, and we got to try it. I'm a big lager drinker, so I like that. <laughs> it were a cool experience for me. And then obviously there were some jobs which I didn't enjoy as much, like the Turkish art gallery. He was bossing you around, wasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, I might have flipped out a bit, at him, but it didn't get shown that we were there for like six hours and I were asking for a drink and he would not give me a drink. No, I was on, I was on your side there. It was, yeah, I was just gasping for a drink and yeah, he just turned a bit weird. But I mean, obviously there were some jobs which are like a priceless experience, like a in Samarkand, Uzbekistan, a paper factory, learning okay. how to make paper from the start sort of thing. Yeah. And then a lemonade stand in Vietnam. Yeah. A dog a dog kennel in Bangkok, like everything. Then the elephant sanctuary in Cambodia, yeah. like, wow. You know what I mean? Like I got to work with elephants. So the jobs, yeah, amazing. And you've mentioned the money earlier, but how vital was the money that you earned from the jobs to the race? Very, very important. We had to work every leg, otherwise we okay. we wouldn't have even we would have ran out probably in the fifth checkpoint. Mm. So everybody had to work, I think, because yeah, you just you just, they would just want enough money to reach Singapore without working. It got great knowledge as well because you'd be able to speak to the locals and be you'll be able to work out your next route and like how yeah. you get to the next place from there. So it, it were helpful if anything. Mm. And with the work, obviously, if you do work in Germany you're going to earn a hell of a lot more money than if you, if you work in Vietnam. I remember watching Definitely. Felix and Josh in the, in the first episode, or maybe the second, but they did that work on the farm and they earned yeah, 250 the quid. Yeah. I, I thought, oh my God, they're just, they're just going to walk it now. Did you have any regrets that you worked in certain locations where you should have gone, oh, okay, we should have worked a bit earlier? Yeah, definitely. It was the one where the, it was a pepper 
pepper factory or whatnot, and I was yeah. I was complaining or what I was complaining. I didn't want to do it, but I think that was the first job that was before we did the brewery one. Mm. And that was like in Budapest sort of thing. The first week, I didn't really know what I signed up for. I didn't. I were all it were all new to me. I was shocked. I was crying. Mm. Yeah, like everything was just new to me. So like adapting to what and yeah, trying to learn from my mistakes sort of thing. It got better. And then you touched on the, all the amazing jobs you did. So the Chengdu flower market, you described at the time as the best work so far. But then you went yes. on to do the elephant sanctuary in Cambodia. If you had yes. to pick a favourite job, which would you choose? Oh, it's got to be the elephant factory. Yeah, yeah. Elephant sanctuary. Like, <laughs> you know, to work with elephants, what a priceless experience. Yeah. 100%. Being that close with them, yeah, it were amazing. Take us through what you actually did then in that job. So we'd got there at like 10 o'clock at night. We had an early night and whatnot. But there were loads of like volunteers sort of thing there as well. So like we'd go there for breakfast and there'd be like 20, 30 people there just like, eating breakfast and whatnot and like they'd be doing their own thing where we'd have our own things to do we had to chop up trees sort of thing to feed the elephants we had to chop up the coconuts and whatnot and then we had to watch watch them get where washed them washed up and stuff like that um we didn't actually get paid for the elephant sanctuary oh really we just yeah it was just like free free accommodation in the jungle sort Mm. of thing but well yeah it probably costs us more to do than not, you know what I mean? Like, mm. we, we would have been better not doing it, but it was just the experience. Like, we could not pass that up. Yeah, and I'm going to ask you something, which obviously, whenever you do an interview, I bet you get asked this and you must hate it. But the girl you met <laughs> in the yeah. flower market, I'm going to bring it up. Do you still yes. keep in contact now? Yeah. Well, I can be in contact if I wanted mm. to be. Like, uh, she has Instagram. I don't yeah. know how she's got Instagram because she shouldn't be allowed Instagram in China and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. But she has Instagram and she gives me a message here and now, here and mm. there. So, yeah, obviously, I'm not rude. I'll respond. Yeah. And check how things are and whatnot. But I haven't seen her since or anything since she lives in China. A lot yeah. of people think uh, I keep on meeting up with her and stuff and <laughs> go to China on a weekend or whatever and come back home. It's like, no, <laughs> I'm sorry, but. China's a long way away, you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe when you go back to Kurong in Cambodia, you can meet up then. Yeah, maybe. I'd love to go back to China, 100%. It was yeah. an amazing place. Is that the place that you'd want, other than Kurong, is that the place that you'd want to go back to most? No, nah, Vietnam and then Vietnam. China. Mm. Vietnam, looked, the people looked after us a lot. Like, we just felt so welcomed. Like, everywhere we'd go, we'd be offered free food. We'd, you know what I mean? Like, everyone was just so nice. I've never experienced people being that nice in the world before. Yeah, compared to what Vietnam people were like, like they were amazing. Yeah, because that job you did in Vietnam, the sugarcane store, and then after the work, you sat down and had a meal with a family, and yeah, that must have been awesome. See, it wasn't even that though. Like we left the day after because they they even let us work an extra day, sort of thing. Yeah, like in the morning, and then they dropped us off at the bus stop. But wow. they they woke up early and they actually made us food to take with us. So wow. we wouldn't be so we wouldn't be hungry on the journey, sort of thing. So they actually like fed us, sort of thing, and then give us food to take with us, so we wouldn't have to pay for it. Like yeah, then then people was amazing, amazing. And I loved the job. Like the job was so cool. Mm. Learning how to make sugar sugarcane juice, like it was a cool job. And you were giving your dad some stick because you were doing all the hard yeah. work while he was sat down on his bum. Uh, what, was, exactly <laughs> what were you actually doing in that job then? Um, well, we had the sugarcane like uh, wood sort of thing, mm. and we had to like strip it 
and yeah. then once you've stripped it, you'd have to chop it a bit, and then you just put it in a machine, and yeah. then the machine would do its work. Yeah. It were easy, really. But because we were English, it brought a lot of the community together, and they were just like, oh, my God, I've got to see these English people making yeah. mushroom candy. So it's a rare thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, we made a lot of money from it and stuff. Probably one of our best paying jobs. Nice, because yeah. they, they weren't charging much for the sugar cane juice, and I thought, oh, they no, can't surely all. pay you that much. It was like two Vietnamese things, so yeah, we, we got it really, really cheap, but we we made a lot of money because there were so many people coming. And obviously you mentioned that those people were so nice. Does it make you realise yeah. that perhaps us English people, when we sat down on the tube or on the train and we got our heads glued in our phones and we won't speak to each other, does it make you think and wish that we were a bit more friendly. Definitely. Oh, oh, 100%. I believe that, yeah, we would not have made it if it weren't for the kindness of strangers. Mm. I, I personally, I will always help out with if anybody ever needs mm. anything or all like that. If I'm on the train and whatnot and somebody's asking for any directions or yeah. any help, then I'd happily help them out. Where personally, I've asked for help in England before and I haven't been given any help. Yeah. So I think like people, people think that they're too busy sort of thing mm. when it only takes like two seconds out of your day to tell somebody. Yeah, exactly. And everyone's always a bit suspicious as well. Yeah, definitely. People don't really trust people and stuff. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a weird place in England. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's England. Even yeah. weirder now. Yeah, even weirder now. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
So I wanted to move on to some of the behind the scenes elements from the show. You touched on it, stuff that perhaps we as the viewers didn't get an insight into. How did you find it being filmed all the time in your best and worst moments? At first, it were a bit tough. Like in the first week, like my mum told me, like, please don't swear and stuff mm. like Like, try to be, try to be like good on camera. So I were doing that for the first three, four days. And when Brent pulled me over and Brent were like, you're not being yourself. Okay. Like you can, the cameras can tell you're not being yourself because you're trying to like hold back and like be reserved. Mm. And they didn't, they didn't want that. Mm. So after Brent said that, then obviously I was just like, all right, I'll be myself because we're going to be there for like 50 days or whatnot. I'm just yeah. got to, you get used to it though. So like it, it might sound a bit weird, but I've been asleep on train. Brent's there with camera in my face <laughs> while I'm sleeping and I wake up and I've just got a big lens in my, in my face. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, you just get used to it, I guess. It's all right. Like, you just have a mic on and, yeah, it's just, it becomes normal. And you mentioned the fact that you were perhaps weren't, weren't being yourself. You can't keep that up for 50 days, so surely at some point you would have cracked anyway. Yeah, everybody, Brent told me everybody would have seen on TV that you want being yourself. Mm. And that was the biggest thing I wanted to do, is be myself, because I think that's all you can do is be yourself. And yeah, yeah it's the best thing to do. Yeah, so you mentioned you had Brent and Lorraine following you throughout the race. Did they stop yes. you at all from getting any sort of transport? Because there were only two seats on a train or a bus, for example. We had that problem once in China. But we was it was a minor like we mm. we I think the train was like ten minutes later after that so oh, okay. it didn't it didn't mean anything where it could have done it definitely could have done because we needed to like on camera you need to make sure like you got two cam two seats for me and my dad mm. but and then like as soon as the cameras turn off then you're like all right we need another two seats for Brendan Lorenz so I think yeah true but and then there was also behind us always tracking us. They'd be like a side vehicle sort of thing where they'd have like backup batteries, cameras mm. and crew. So there were two people there always like traveling behind us in a van. We never really seen them. Mm. But like, if there were a problem, one of one of like Brent and Lorraine could have gone in that van and one of, and one of them could have gone on the tra train or bus or whatnot with us. Yeah, they would have been flipping coins to see you got the short straw. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> and obviously you're away for 50 days and you didn't have your mobile phone how hard was yeah. it to not speak to your family and friends i struggled a bit i won't lie like yeah. in baku second checkpoint after not getting eliminated i actually did ring my mom mm. and they, they made me film it and stuff just so it'd be filmed and there'd be proof and mm. why not that didn't get aired which i was a bit surprised i thought they would have aired it mm. but it's all good uh, yeah, I were, I were just wanted to check up how things were up at home because obviously I, I live with my mum and then it's just me and my mum and my mum's the only like family on my mum's side in England. The rest of them are in Australia and Latvia. Okay. So I needed to check up and make sure everything were right because I didn't have a phone to, to make sure myself. Mm. So I just wanted to ring up and make sure myself. So yeah, but as long as I got to do that twice throughout the whole journey, so I did that in Baku I and mean, then I did it in China. So that helped my situation a lot because I was a bit a bit worried. But yeah, mm. yeah, everything real good. Yeah, nice. And you mentioned the fact that it was October to December, was it in 2018? Yes. And then yes. when did the show air? I can't actually remember exactly. March 2019. Yeah, so you've got this secret on your shoulders for three months. Yeah. What was it like to 
keep that a secret from everyone. Yeah, all my mates kept on asking, like, did yeah. you win? What happened? Because I wasn't allowed to say anything. Like, mm. they, they've known that I've gone away for 50 days, but I'm not allowed to say, like, the result and whatnot. Yeah. So I just told them, oh, I lost. I came last. Yeah. Like, just watch it when it comes on. I came last. Mm. I came fourth. Yeah. And then, yeah, they were surprised when I came second and nearly won it. <laughs> <laughs> they were just, they were all shocked. You obviously didn't have your mobile phone for 50 days. Like, I know that yes. if, I, if I was ever on the show, 50 days without my mobile phone would be an absolute struggle. What was that like yeah. for you? Well, I, it just felt normal. Obviously, mm. we just we just didn't have it. But I had an MP3 player, which mm. helped a lot. Uh, we weren't allowed any Bluetooth or any internet or anything. So that was one thing you did not allow on your mp3 player i had music on my mp3 player i downloaded like over a thousand songs at least yeah what was the tune what kind of tunes were you listening to no i listened to english <laughs> rap american rap sort of yeah. thing that's my music so that kept me sane i'd say like on these 30 hour bus journeys or one on coach journeys listening to my music kept me sane and like more of it to just be like yeah, everything's good i've got my music i'm carrying on you know what i mean yeah didn't get so bored and so yeah we're all right and nowadays are you better at just putting your phone down and experiencing a moment because of it um <laughs> i don't know really like when i went to sardinia this year mm. i like i wanted to film everything because i was making my youtube and at home i am on my phone a lot because i'm i don't know i'm just yeah i'm glued yeah. to my phone i don't know see so if i were doing a journey like that again i'd like to document everything like that yeah. all my biggest regret is not taking a camera without uh, like no internet and whatnot yeah. because I would have been able to capture the unseen things and stuff and, and like behind the scenes and I, I could have put that on YouTube and whatnot and I felt like mm. that could have been successful so yeah. that were a biggest regret which I didn't say but apart from that everything was good nice man and you really grew as a person throughout the show so when you started yeah. your dad was properly harsh on you i remember watching it thinking geez darren he's giving you some serious stick and then you really grew and you gained confidence you grew more patient you and near the end of the race you kind of switched your role switched and you were the one caring for your dad yeah could you feel yourself learning from the experience as it was going on yeah 100 percent. like the whole journey the whole experience taught me so much i would just i was just more confident in myself like i'd always speak to random people I don't know, I wouldn't really approach random people. So like the journey helped me do that. My bond with my dad, like, yeah, we got to speak on a personal level sort of thing. And now he's like a good friend of mine as well as my dad, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. The journey helped me out so much. And yeah, it's just confidence and just being able to get myself out of there. And then even coming back and doing live TV like mm. on the one show and BBC Breakfast show, I'm confident to do any more TV now because it's like... I've done live TV yeah. and I could have messed up massively. I, it can't get much worse than that, you know what I mean? Like yeah, when you're yeah. on live TV and you're on the radio, you you could say something bad and you could be condemned for the whole of England being number one hated, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you see, it, you see it happen, you see people mess up by accident, get hated. So luckily nothing like that happened. And yeah, it's just once I've done that, I can do anything now, really. Yeah. And the aim of the trip, of course, was for you to mend that relationship and build that bond with your dad. What was it like yes. going through it all with your dad in the highest and the lowest moments? So obviously we, we had a lot of arguments and stuff like, mm. cause we, we didn't really know each other personally. So it was tough. It was very tough at times. Like some things it said, wind me up a lot. Like, Every time he said suck it up, it's <laughs> his favourite catchphrase would yeah, really, really annoy me. But 
I don't know, like I do the same way, I don't know him, so it just it works like that. If you're with somebody for a long amount of period of time, you're gonna have an argument or whatnot. It's just it's it's always gonna happen. You couldn't ever do fifty days and not have an argument with someone. No, that's it. I bet I bet Tony Lane, Josh yeah. and Josh and Felix yeah. did. Yeah, you saw Josh and Felix's. Yeah, they would have <laughs> all done it. So it just it's what happens. And you got your hug at the end. Yeah. Was that a big motivation for you? I will, well, I will be waiting for it throughout the whole journey. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would try and hint at him a few times during the journey, like, come on, I could do a hug right now. And he was just like, no, no worries. Yeah, I got it at the end. Yeah, that said that you went from an estranged father and son to now friends. You yes. must be so much closer now as a result of it. Oh, 100%. Like, yeah, I see him at least once a week now. And mm speak to him on the phone twice a week or so so yeah me and my dad are really really good since nice man that's really nice to hear uh you mentioned on the show that you are perhaps a little bit confused about what you wanted to do with your life and i thought that was a really important message to air because i'm sure there are a lot of people who are watching the show who are in the same kind of position yeah you're just a bit unsure what kind of job you want to do where you want to go with your life did the work that you did during the race help you find that out and teach you any life lessons it has it is it's, it's learned what i actually want to do in myself mm. now like i want to obviously i want to travel for mm. a career that that's the ultimate dream but i i know now within myself that i want uh, like in the meantime i'd want like a customer service sort of thing because i'm mm. hands-on and i like interacting with people mm. i'm a people person so i don't want to just going to call center like when i came back i were in a call center at my dad's work and yeah it just wasn't me like working in a warehouse is the same like it's just not me mm. i'm a people person so i have a retail or back on tv so so work so i think yeah. and maybe working behind the camera and yeah just having a look at them sort of avenues but since the tv show i definitely want to work in the media industry Mm, nice man and yeah. how important do you think travel is to help you work out what you want to do and help you grow as a person i think travel is a number one big thing to like clear your head sort of thing like mm. if you're stuck in a run and you, you're literally just stuck you don't know where to get out then if you go away for like a couple of days you'll feel much better within yourself so i feel like it's very important for people to do that i, I feel like a lot of people think as in traveling and like it's really expensive sort of thing. Like they're thinking holiday and like, you know what I mean? People think mm. like you can only do it once a year sort of thing. But as as you can see before coronavirus, flights you can get, flights for really cheap for a weekend. Yeah. So like you can go to Prague for like £3.99. You know what I mean? Like you, you see these stupid yeah. prices and people make out like it's a really, really expensive thing to do. But it's actually not that expensive. And mm. that's why in the new year, depending on Brexit and depending on like lockdown coronavirus, I'm looking at trying to get about in Europe as much as possible at the moment. Mm. And like a number one place for me to visit would be Sweden because mm. I've heard that they haven't been in lockdown throughout the whole thing. Wow. The whole year they've had no face masks, no lockdown. So I'd actually like to interact with the people who have lived in Sweden throughout this year. Yeah. and ask them how their experience has been during this year brilliant yeah that'd be awesome imagine being a country which has never been in lockdown never wore a face mask like that's crazy absolute dream this is a bit of a weird question 
but I've genuinely watched the show and thought, you know what, I'd love to do that so much that I might just genuinely do that, live on the budget and travel London to Singapore. Yeah. Would you recommend it? I recommend it 100%. Yeah. Like I did I did an article for BBC Sport, um, London to Baku for the Chelsea. Yeah, I remember article. that one. So yeah, I highly recommend doing it, getting out and just, yeah. The amount you fly over and you miss is ridiculous. Mm. Like I've been to Australia a few times because I've got a lot of family over there. So obviously what I've blown over, I've now actually done on land sort of thing. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you, you compare them both and you're just like, if you've got time, you've, yeah. you've got you've got whatever and you can do it, then definitely do it. Highly recommendable. Brilliant, mate. And we've mentioned it a few times, but I wanted to talk now about your YouTube channel. So you yes. uploaded a video, a vlog from your trip to Sardinia with your dad. Yeah, Really enjoyed it, mate. Thank you. What made you want to start your YouTube channel? Because I'm signed with my agents and it's all about waiting for something to happen. Mm. I was bored of waiting, if I'm honest. Mm. And I felt like I, I want to try and market and progress my career sort of thing. And I know it's, it's with traveling because traveling is what I'm known for now. Mm. People know me as traveling. So I wanted to stick around that thing and I wanted to involve my dad sort of thing. But I just wanted to make videos which are memories sort of thing and I can look back yeah. and I can just think, yeah, that's a great memory. Because I watch a lot of YouTube myself. I watch mm. a lot of silly videos and whatnot. So I was just thinking like, I want to do something. I want to try this. So why not? I've got nothing to lose. And we've seen that one video. But what kind of yes. videos can we expect on your YouTube channel in the future? Tonight, I'm going to film a blind food tasting test with my dad. Oh, nice. So I'm he's ordered some food online. I don't know what he's ordered. He won't tell me. He's, put, <laughs> he's going to put a blindfold over my head and I'm going to eat some weird things. I don't know what to expect. But yeah, that's going to be a good one, I recommend. And yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to do like a vlog of where I'm from. So like yeah. show my little village off, Thornton. And just show people like where I've grown up sort of thing and then in the new year depending on Brexit going traveling and doing like a little vlog of traveling by myself for the first ever time amazing look forward to it mate definitely thank you so I wanted to get a bit more in depth with the uh cities countries foods that you experienced throughout the race uh which was your yes. favorite country and city from the race city wise it's got to be Chengdu like it was just like it was next level technology, like the mm. people, it just being in China, it just felt like you were in China, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like anywhere else in the world I've ever been to. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, the big bright lights, just everything like, and the food was, yeah. Now I'm surprised they didn't show mm. it, but me and my dad had probably the hottest meal we've ever had in our lives. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Because Chengdu is known for the spice. Mm. And we've, we've gone to this hot pot place and I've, I've literally been in tears eating this chili and so is my dad. And we've been on the train the day after and we've been suffering. And yeah, it were an experience. Spicy, to say yeah. the least. And Chengdu, was that a massive culture shock when you arrived there? At first, yeah. But yeah. like, I've always, I, because I live in a small little village, I like, there's not really much to do. Mm. So like when I go to a city like London, Manchester, I love I love cities, and it's what I'd been waiting for for our whole journey is actually go to like a major city and like experience it. Mm. So which we didn't really do because we were like we we're always either on the move or we felt like we were in the sticks a lot. So it was really cool to just get in a full city and just experience that. But they didn't show that uh, me and my dad got 
a single bed for like 99 gang and mm. we had to top and tail but it was like this five-star hotel oh really yeah <laughs> so that were a cool experience we got to stay in a five-star five-star hotel but we were top and tailing in a single bed which won the best <laughs> and Chengdu is your favorite city but yeah your favorite country China or is it somewhere else favorite country China or Vietnam mm. definitely yeah it was just something different and Thailand as well but I didn't really get to experience Thailand. Yeah. Like before the journey, before I set off from the journey, I always said that I've always wanted to visit Thailand because the beautiful little pie islands, the little islands, just the way it looks. But obviously, we rushed through it in like two days, so yeah. I didn't really get to experience it. Literally, just focused on trying to get to that finish line at that point. Yeah, that's it. it the last, it was the last leg, so it would just, it were all rushed. And yeah. yeah. Didn't I, I definitely want to go to Thailand and experience it properly? And Chengdu is perhaps a bit more pricey in terms of like Asian currencies. Is there yes. a city which you would recommend if someone could go there on a budget? On a budget, I recommend Uzbekistan. Yeah, it, yeah, they were a really cool place. Like mm. the people were cool, the architecture were cool, everything was just cool about it. It wasn't expensive, mm. I wouldn't say so. Samarkand, it, it, yeah, legendary place. My dad was in awe. Yeah. Time, like, because he's read this uh, book, Journey to Samarkand, like yeah. since he were since he were a little kid. So it's literally always been his dream to visit this place. So like, you could tell these emotions and his feelings that he was in a maze that he was at this place, and it was really cool for me to experience it with him. Amazing, because Uzbekistan is a place that obviously isn't on traditional backpacking trips. It isn't on an itinerary where people would usually go. So you'd recommend people explore Central Asia and go to Uzbekistan? Yes, definitely. That's what I mean. Like People don't really know about Uzbekistan. People don't really know about Kazakhstan. People think of Kazakhstan mm. as Borat, if yeah. I'm right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Obviously, Borat, amazing film and whatnot, but it's, it's not known as Borat, you know what I mean? Like yeah, they, yeah. they show it on the film, but it's not as it is on the film. Like Yeah, it's a beautiful place. I recommend going. Amazing. And this is a bit of a random one. But if you could live in any city that you experienced from the race, which would you choose? To live in any city from the race, Bangkok. Yeah, yeah. It just it it seemed like a really cool place. I reckon I could have enjoyed myself there. Yeah. Personally, I'll be honest. I I'm looking at getting out of Bradford as much as possible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One. Well, I don't really have much family over here. My dad's side of family are, but I'm not really that close to him. Mm. All my family are in Australia and Latvia, so I think on my mum's side. So it's just Bradford's always been a place for me. It's just like it's Bradford. Like obviously, mm. I love where I'm from and I've grown up here. But it's the way it's England. It's the weather. It's just yeah. it's just not me. I'm more of a warm weather sort of person and just yeah, like beach sort of guy. So yeah. being being in England, it it don't go if I'm on it. Yeah, so have you got your sights set on moving abroad then? Yeah, definitely. I, I'm either, I'll be in Australia in the next 10 years or somewhere. I'm yeah. not going to be in England. I, I just can't see it. I don't want to spend all my life in England. Brave decision, but I think it'll be good. Yes, 100%. Uh, so I wanted to talk about the food a bit more in depth. You mentioned that really spicy meal, but I imagine that wasn't your favourite meal from the entire race. But I wanted to pick out, you know, when you arrived in China and no one yes. else was there and you went to go check on the book and you were like, 
oh, they're, they're, they've still not arrived. You had this absolute yes. mountain of food. It looked like some yes. sort of like pad thai or something. Was that your best meal? Yeah, oh, it must have been. Like mm. they were the best tasting sort of thing. Like, yeah, it was proper like egg fried rice or yeah. it proper Chinese food. <laughs> My dad didn't actually like any of it. Oh, really? That's why there was so much of it. And I had to eat it all to myself pretty much. And I was just like, I'm hungry. Don't get me wrong. I ain't really eaten all week, but. It's a bit too much, sort of thing. <laughs> and yeah, my dad would just, my dad were eating his tofu and whatnot. And mm. Yeah, but that food was, yeah, it felt like it was cooked by five star, five yeah. star chef, sort of thing. Yeah, it was just amazing. And the view yeah. was incredible. And that was in the morning, wasn't it? So that would have been your breakfast, am I right? Yeah, Wang yeah. Yao. Yeah. It was like, it was, it was more brunch, yeah. it was more like 11 o'clock. Any other meals yeah. that you can pick out that were particularly good? Not good, interesting. Yeah. Was eating the widgety grub and the cockroach yeah. in Thailand. Literally, when we got in the border of Thailand and we needed something to eat, we ordered some widgety grubs and whatnot. That were a weird experience, yeah. I must say. <laughs> but I don't mind trying new things, personally. Yeah. So it, was, it had a crunch, it had a bit of a weird thing. But yeah, wasn't that bad. Yeah, I respect you for doing that. I'm not sure I would have been brave enough. <laughs> See, I watch how much celebrity get me out of here, and I think they're eating things the easiest. Yeah. I couldn't do anything else. I couldn't do like trapped under doors and whatnot, but <laughs> the eating challenges, easy. Yeah. Easy. I, I wanted to pick out a moment. You know, when you went to that uh, bus station, I think it was in Thailand, and you were yes. negotiating with the guy, and you said, uh, Can we get our tickets for 21? pounds was it 21 yes yeah rather than 25 and you'd cut cut to your dad and he said oh if we can save ourselves one pound we can eat tonight was it really that bad or was that dramatized for tv no 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 that was, it was exactly like that like for some days like there would be some days where we wouldn't eat because we just cannot afford to wow sort of thing and we'd need to go work because they won't guarantee that we'd go work sort of thing but like some days we'd have some bread for the day, mm. where other days we'd eat really, really well. You know what I mean? So yeah. it would mix and match, but there was definitely times where hunger came in a lot. And the worst thing was like when we'd go to a restaurant, we'd have to order the cheapest thing on the menu, mm. which was the hardest thing for me because it was just like, we want eating much and we're traveling so much and we're seeing all this amazing food, beautiful food, mm. which I want to try everything. I'm only trying like the bread or the chips or whatnot. Yeah. It wasn't, it's not really, you know what I mean? Like how would you actually experience it? Yeah. Well, at least you weren't like Sam in series two, but when he went off and kind of spending loads of money on the spaghetti <laughs> and all these Western it. food, he's absolutely <laughs> loved it. But then he didn't even get to the he end. Loved it. So you did no, the right thing, you'd say. Yes, definitely. But yeah, it was hard at times. That was one of the hardest things was the hunger and the eating and stuff. Was it about 10 days between each checkpoint then? Um, it depends. So like yeah. most of the time it would be on a Sunday. So mm. we'd get there. It'd be like every week, every Sunday we'd get to the checkpoint. Okay. Um, The Caspian Sea one, when we were held up for five days, yeah. that like took two weeks. <sighs> so that, that was a really, really long week and... Like when we made it and when we made it first, it was just, yeah, it was just, we, we were just so tired. We just wanted to chill out and we needed that the most. And moving on to the accommodation now, how hard was it to adjust to the cheap hostels? Because you stayed in some pretty rough places. Yes, we did. <laughs> um, I it, 
I wouldn't say it's that bad. I'd say the worst place we stayed was the the flower market, the Chinese flower market. Yeah, definitely. that was so bad. Because there was literally poo stains on the shower curtain, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was very explicit. There were pubic hairs on the floor. It was not a nice experience. That was the worst place we've stayed, definitely. And that would just... Since then, I don't think I can get worse than that, so I'll probably stay anywhere at the moment, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, yeah, once you stay at a place like that, it's like, there's not really much worse you can stay. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> We've mentioned that you'd go back to Koh Rong, you want to go back to yes. Thailand. I'm sure you want to go back to pretty much everywhere from the entire race. Yes, pretty much. But which place that we've not spoken about would you like to go back to most? Budapest. Yeah? I've wrote it. I, I was disrespectful to Budapest. Mm. Yeah, I wasn't, I didn't enjoy it as much as I should have done. I didn't experience it properly. I was ratty and moody. Yeah. And like I say, with the first week, I didn't really know what I signed up for. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I just, I wasn't myself in Budapest. So mm. that's one place I really, really want to go back and visit. Like mm-hmm. Natalie and Shamima went there in the year it was on TV. So it was on TV in March. Mm. And I think they went in August, Natalie and Shamima. And they said they were getting recognised everywhere from this oh, year. Oh, really? Yeah, so apparently it was really big over there. So I kind of want to go back over there and like apologise for that thing yeah. and like experience it properly, if you know what I mean. Because I feel like I could be one of the most hated people in Budapest. No, I doubt I don't it. Want I doubt that. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want that, so... I just want to, yeah, I want to experience it properly and give my personal opinion. Yeah, you'll absolutely love Budapest. I've been there once before and there are all these ruined bars. You mentioned that you like drinking beers. There's these amazing yeah. bars where they're all kind of derelict buildings. They've been turned into oh, uh, wow. bars with each of their individual quirks. So, yeah, you'll absolutely yeah. love it. I'll have to give ping you over some stuff that I did when I went there. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm definitely looking at going there soon. Yeah, nice. And is there a place that you would never go back to? place I'd never go back to that art gallery in turkey yeah <laughs> i won't lie ankara uh yeah it was just to say it was like i think it's the capital of turkey mm. ankara uh, it was just manic there were just there was so much cars and stuff mm. it was said like the week before we got there there were terrorists a big terrorist attack sort of thing and it was like yeah we were just a scary experience just yeah. being in that big city and there were just there were just loads of loads of people about and it was just like it felt like it were overpopulated. And of course, you don't want yeah. to meet that bloke again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that art gallery was not the best. <laughs> and is there a place that means the most to you from the race? It's probably Singapore. Just the fact that we made mm. it, or Greenwich, the way we set off. Yeah. Like the start or finish has to be one of them places, which means something for me. The the, the hotel with the boat, like where yeah. we ended it, it's just iconic. And then also where we started. Mm. Yeah, from when we started as well, Greenwich is Greenwich Royal Navy college and it's an iconic place so a lot of big film a lot of big movies and stuff are filmed there you know what i mean and yeah. you see it and you're like well i actually started the race off there so i think so it's definitely got to be one of them nice and that, uh, just touching on that time in marina bay sands hotel what was it like yeah. after the race what did you get up to was there a party <laughs> so <laughs> we've um we got there the day before natalie and shmoom and josh and felix mm. but unfortunately the, only the winners got to stay in that hotel. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so the rest of us got shipped off to this, like, little little crappy sort yeah. of hotel. <laughs> so I think it, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything... It wasn't like exciting. the Chinese flower market. No, it, 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 it wasn't anything exciting. It was like a premiere or anything, one yeah, sort of yeah. thing. Something basic. So we were in there, 
And then obviously the next day, then Natalie and Shamira and Josh and Felix have come. And then that night, we've had a party, a big, big party with all the camera yeah. crew. And we've hired all this sort of players. Yeah, knowing me, I got I got a bit too drunk. <laughs> uh, I missed my flight. And me and oh, my really? dad were the last two people in Singapore. All the camera crew left, everything, <laughs> everybody left. Because the flight was at like four in the morning, five in the morning. Really? After the party? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got so drunk, I was not responsive. Like, yeah, yeah. I want, I want, I ended up having to pay for another room for the hotel. <laughs> and then we didn't even stay in for the, the room for the hotel for that night either. We ended up getting a plane. Yeah. Uh, to Helsinki and then to Manchester. But it worked better for us because everyone flew to London where we flew to Manchester and obviously mm. we were coming home. Worked out better for us. Yeah, nice. That's a bit mad, doesn't it? You have a party, obviously you can have a few drinks. Yeah. And booking a flight at 4am, you probably have to leave the hotel at midnight. That's exactly it. And I, yeah, I, I were a bit too drunk by that moment. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? We made it in Singapore and I was just thinking... We've actually made it. So yeah. I just got, I've never been that drunk in my life. Yeah, <laughs> very, very drunk. I don't blame you, especially if you weren't drinking for 50 days. It probably hit you like a brick wall. It definitely did. It definitely did. Just the fact that we, it was just the settlement of just making yeah. it, not having to do it again, just not having to go anywhere. It just, yeah, I got a bit, bit too drunk. Amazing. And then the final question your dream bucket list destination? It's Bali for me. I am, um, it's one of them places which always stands out for me mm. and this is why if i'm if i go to bali i will definitely be going to korong on the way sort of thing mm. maybe like take a break on the way or on the way back that's how i'd like to do it but bali for me is i see a lot of youtube videos of vlogs and stuff of how it actually looks like mm. it just looks amazing for me like a monkey forest i'm a big mon- i love monkeys mm. and just like the whole vibe, it, it feels like it's a proper chilled out sort of yeah. place. It's not a big commercial sort of place, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It just feels a lot of zen and a lot of chilled out, like mm. just a lot of chilled out vibes. So I definitely want to visit Bali and Japan. Japan as well, nice. I've been told Japan's one of the best countries to ever visit, so I got to visit Japan. Brilliant. So your dream trip to Bali, you're going to combine it with Cambodia. Surely you should just turn this yes. into an epic backpacking trip and vlog it all. I probably should do, shouldn't I? Yeah. And then go to Japan as well after, why not? Yeah, nice. <laughs> well, Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been amazing talking to you, catching up. If people want to find your YouTube channel, it's just searching Alex Bexalt on YouTube. That'll come up, surely. Thank you for having me, honestly. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it a lot. No, thank you for your time, man. So there we go. That was episode 10 with Alex Bexalt from Race Across the World. What a great guy, full of some amazing stories. And he also gave us some insight into the behind the scenes moments from the show, which we didn't experience whilst watching it on TV. If you enjoyed the show as much as I did recording it, then it'd be absolutely amazing if you go to whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on and go and leave us a review. So many of you have been kind enough to do so, and we've got so many reviews. It's helping us climb all the way up the charts, and it really does mean a lot to me. So if you've got a spare minute, just log onto the app, click five star, preferably five star anyway, and write a few little words and that's all it takes. Thanks as always for listening and I'll be back again next week with another amazing guest. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.